Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I'm your host, Felipe. And with me, as always, is Austin Spiro. Austin, how are you doing this morning? I'm all right, man. Uh, it's a beautiful Saturday morning out here in California. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's a frigid. Uh, I mean, the whole house is cold, and that's with the heat on. So <laughs> I don't know what the temperature is, but uh, it, it's uh, oh, it's 38. OK, so according to my according to my laptop, it's 38 degrees outside and uh, I can feel it. That's why I'm wearing a sweater and and sweatpants as opposed to shorts. But uh, it's all right. It's uh, it's December in the Chicagoland area. We're used to it. We uh, we've been waiting all year for this. So bring it on. Bring it on. Usually, usually it gets colder right around this time where I live, but um, it's like 60 right now. So, oh, OK, well, uh, just a good uh, morning to Harry and Bob, who are watching for a bit here this morning. We're going to talk some free agency as uh, normally I wait until later on. Uh, I, I don't do it you know, every week uh, on this podcast, but seeing that there's nothing there's nothing going to be talked about for a while in terms of uh, player acquisitions and transactions figure well we might as well get these out of the way uh, because this I don't know about you Austin but get ready this is going to be a long long winter for major league baseball is that the way you see it over there yeah that's the way I see it too especially with as far as as far away as the two entities are it's going to be a while before they come to any sort of agreement good morning to James as well Um, I I just got to mention that he got off to a really uh, he did a he had a marvelous week in fantasy basketball last week and then this week not so much last i checked so he's probably hurting right now uh so yeah just stick with us james stick with us we'll we'll keep you company for the next uh, hour or so um well listen man as someone i i work in contracts you know and right now uh i don't want to disclose too much because of uh confidentiality issues Right. But we are, when two sides are this far off, you could tell. You could tell. I, I've had contracts that that have gone almost a full year when the initial target date was for you know middle of the year, June first of twenty twenty one. Let's say uh, I've had contracts since you know the year prior that just keep on mulling over, mulling over, mulling over. It it uh, it just goes on without any uh, end. Uh, you know, entities are stalling or or they're negotiating uh, in, 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 in the back rooms kind of deal, trying to figure out what the best way to move forward is. And uh, yeah, I, I, listen, man, it's going to, like I said, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a while. And when it gets like that and you're involved and when you're in that, sh- for lack of a better term, when you're in that shit, it, it's, it just seems like it's, it's never going to end. It's, it's just going to go on indefinitely. That's the way it feels. Like you mentioned, these two sides seem to be far off. Uh, the owners seem to uh, make these crazy demands in the, for, you know, crying poor. As always, this is what happens every single time that there's a lockout. They cry poor. The baseball players, uh, they see what they see around the money generation that's going on, the revenue generation that's going on. And, and they call out the BS but they're the ones who mostly get vilified and not, not so much in this group. This group seems to be, uh, I don't know what, what's your pulse on what the baseball life group is talking. And when I it comes like to lockout, pretty even split some, mm-hmm. uh, some support the owners and, but there is a good number of people that support the players as well. Um, I lean more towards the players, um, especially when, you know, you see some of the demands that the owners were making and I'm like, 
come on, no cost of living adjustment. I mean, I know these guys make hundreds of millions of dollars. And I've said that on my podcast, you get paid hundreds of millions of dollars to play a game, but you're not going to adjust for cost of living, which is going up. You're not, you know, you're not going to give them pensions or stuff like that. Like, you know, they may, they may make hundreds of millions of dollars, but they could get hurt at any time. And if they don't have any safety net, that's just going to, that's going to screw with their life. So, you know, I'm leaning toward, um, I lean towards more of the players, but yeah, it's a pretty even split in the group. I feel like. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I wanted to finish my thought here. You know, like I said, personally, I've seen negotiations that were supposed to end by June 1st of this year. We're in early December. They're still not done. They're not nowhere near done. Uh, and then just imagine that with the players. The only thing that, that, that you guys could take solace is that there is kind of a deadline. It's a deadline for first quarter of 2022. You know, because we've seen what happens when the owners try to. And I think Vince uh, mentioned it uh, uh, on one of the posts that he shared earlier this week. When they try to bring in replacement players, mm-mm, no, no, nobody right. wants that. So no. not even the owners as much as they would like to believe that they do. But let's face it. Who are we here to watch? We're not here to watch the owners. We're not here to watch the general managers or front offices uh, as Jacob chimes in this morning as well. Uh, he of the Step Back podcast. We're here to see the players, man. Players play. They're the ones that that bring the butts to the seats. They're the ones who bring all that money generation. I mean, Bryce Harper, uh, he makes $300 million, but that's because he's a, a lightning rod uh, for viewers and, and interest for the game. He puts butts in the seats and sells jerseys. And sells jerseys in New Jersey, right? You know. Yeah. The Southern Philadelphia, close to the border. Anyway, joke, <laughs> geographic jokes aside. So, like I said, normally I wait until later on because, you know, uh, I like to we, – we do normally – Sean and I, we do the whole uh, drafting of the teams and stuff. But since we're going to be here a while, we might as well get these out of the way. And we start out with Max Scherzer, of, uh, formerly of the Dodgers. Uh, and what I'm doing here is on my other screen, I'm looking at the Fangrass free agency tracker. And I'm doing this based on projected war. And we're going to go team by team. Uh, so Max Scherzer's first one up. He's now with the New York Mets. So let's take a look at the New York Mets while we're at I don't know. Should I feel? You know, you know what? Let's share the screen. Why not? It's Why not? It's Christmas. It's Christmas season. So there it is. Caring I mean, is caring. <laughs> let's make this a little bit bigger. Spoken uh, like a true teacher. Yeah, right. <laughs> and let's look at that pitching staff. And boy, oh boy, let's look at those 22, 22 projections. And boy, oh boy, man, if that if they can ever stay healthy, these darn New York Mets, that it is that is a very intimidating one-two punch in Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, a little on the older side, but as I always tell Sean, older is better uh in, in terms of starting pitching until proven otherwise. But there it is. The Grom and the Scherzer at the top, followed by Taiwan Walker, Carlos Carrasco, and Tyler McGill, who kind of uh, uh, broke out pretty late in the year, from what I remember. Uh, those are the projected numbers. I mean, they're pretty decent projected numbers. The only wild card I see is Taiwan Walker, who kind of had a, I don't know, I feel like he had kind of a, 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 a fluky kind of year, as James chimes in, saying that the Mets are going to met, though. So, but that's he's a Yankee fan, so there's a little bit of bias there. But, <laughs> but Taiwan Walker would be the only question mark. I don't feel comfortable with him being the number three. But you know, if you're looking for a solid veteran in the middle of that rotation, you can't. You could um, you could always see worse than that spot. But man, I mean, what do you think of the starting rotation so far? I mean, I think you said the key word there. If they can stay healthy. You have Jacob DeGrom, who hasn't been able to stay on the mound for a full season lately. Mm -hmm. Um, You have Max Scherzer, who is going to go out there and be Max Scherzer. 
but he's also 37 entering his age, age 38 season. So, you know, he probably doesn't have too much, uh, too many productive seasons left in left in there. So we'll see, but I'm still going to, I'm still going to believe in Max Scherzer until he blows up. Um, and I think you're right. I think the biggest question mark here is Taiwan Walker last season. He had, he was in the conversation, I think for Cy Young in the first half of the year. And then once the all-star break happened, he kind of fell apart. Um, and I know that cause he was on one of my fantasy teams doing great for me until he wasn't. Um, and, but you know, cookie Carrasco, you know what you're going to get out of him. He's a solid performer. I would have put him as, as the SP three, um, Tyler McGill did break out. I probably would have put him in SP four and put Taiwan Walker at five. Um, but I mean, you can't go wrong with that one, two punch. If you're looking to get into the playoffs, like the Mets are, you really need a one, two punch and Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, if they're healthy is as good as it gets. Yeah. And I was going to mention, maybe Carlos Carrasco is another question mark. Cause he's also had history of injuries. He's, uh, he just came back from, uh, cancer. I think feels like last year was his first full season. Uh, literally because you know 2020 was shortened season for everybody else but he kind of did struggle last year as I did flip back the 2021 stats he had the 604 ERA um, but like you said we know who Carlos Carrasco is at this point so a lot of question mark, more question marks than I initially anticipated for the Mets but when you have a, a DeGrom and Scherzer at the top that um, that tends to solve a lot of issues I mean ask the White Sox I mean they had Lance Lynn and uh, Lucas Giolito a little chilly <laughs> Giolito was struggling for a bit, but uh, once and when Giolito's on his A game, he's one of the one of the more uh, established elite top ten starting pitchers in the game. And Lance Lynn is just a workhorse, so uh, it, it's it does mask a lot of problems. Uh, let's look at the batting lineup really quick. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte at the number two spot. He's a brand new free agent uh, as well at the number two hole. What do you think about that uh, signing for the Mets? I thought that was a great signing for the Mets. Um, I I thought it was great. I believe on my po- uh, on my podcast, the last episode I did, I did uh, free agents, and you know I went through every single uh, team and what they needed. And um, the Mets, I focused on they needed outfield and they needed third base and they just needed people who could get on base and hit and hit whether it's you know getting just getting on base or hitting it over the wall. And Starling Marte, I think, is a very underrated player because he's good at everything. Yeah. You know, he's good at everything. He can hit it over the wall. He can run. He can field. He can do all of that. So, you know, I was focusing on Chris Bryant going to the Mets, but Starling Marte to the Mets is a great pickup because he's going to be able to provide some run support. Yeah, uh, and, and some speed on the base pads as well. I mean, you know how I am. I, I really don't – I'm not a big proponent of speed, but uh, because you know, what, what is the point of being fast if, you, if you're inconsistent everywhere else? But Marte could still produce. I mean, he could still put up the counting stats for sure. That's one of the uh, big reasons why he was uh, brought in by the Mets. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. This is a decent signing. If, if he comes anywhere close to these projections, the 18 home runs, the 30 stolen bases. I don't know about the 30 stolen bases. Uh, but if he can continue to hit for so, uh, solid power and maybe even improve on that, this is the projections. He's supposed to go up to 332 on base percentage, little low for a, cal- a player of his caliber. If he can kind of beat out those odds and maybe go up to 340, I think the Mets uh, would be pleasantly surprised. There's a reason why Brandon Nimmo's at the top of the lineup here. And then we're, we're, we're kind of waiting for him to kind of break out as well. The race stats are there. The skill stats are there. What we don't have is, 
counting staff production from him. So uh, as soon as he uh, is able to put that stuff together, that'd be great. Lindor, Francisco Lindor at the three spot now. I mean, this on paper, this Mets team looks good, but even the projections are kind of wary about even Lindor, who's uh, that 329, 329 on base percentage for a player of his skill and, and, and talent. That's ridiculously low. And I don't know what needs. I mean, he's always been a patient hitter. He knows the strike zone well. I just don't know what else he could do. Maybe it's because he's projected to hit 30 home runs. And when you're trying to hit for that many home runs, you kind of sacrifice other aspects of your game. So we'll see. There's Pete Alonso at the at the cleanup. Robinson Cano still on the team. And then Mark Canna, the other free agent. So the Mets went out and got two 32-year-olds. Actually, uh, uh, early 33-year-olds, sorry. Um, uh, in the offseason. And Canna is an on-base machine. But he look at that batting average. 233 is the projection. Now, you could tell me and say, well, you know, he, those projections are just projections. We know Canna can hit more than that. But... Assuming these projections are right, I mean, the on-base, it should still be high. But as you know, Austin, you're out there on the West Coast. Canada's were part of that whole Oakland A's organization uh, and even the Houston Astros for a little bit, right? Um, yep. They, you, those types of players that go up those uh, farm systems, they tend to get on base on certain ways. So with all that being said, uh, Mark Canna here on the number six spot, what do you think of that signing as well? So I remember in the group, we were talking about when, I mean, all these guys got signed at the same time, Marte, mm -hmm. Canna, Escobar, they all got signed at the same time. Right. And I had said, I think Marte and Canna are good pickups and I'm not so sure about Eduardo Escobar. Mm -hmm. And somebody came up and said, Eduardo Escobar is the, is the best hitter out of this bunch. And I said, no, he's not, he's not the best hitter. I, I would argue it's either, it's probably Marte, but right behind him is Mark Canna. I think Mark Canna was a really, really good pickup. And I don't think many uh, people are paying attention to that Mark Canna pickup. And the reason why I say that Mark Canna is better than Eduardo Escobar is because Eduardo Escobar, the only thing he can do is hit the ball hard, right? But, you know, and we've seen many times people that hit the ball hard, they go into massive slumps. Mark Canna has a better all-around offensive game right? He yeah. can get on base. He can hit for power. He can hit it in the gaps, right? Yeah. He's 32, but I don't see, I don't see how, you know, I don't see him declining all that, all that bad. Um, and you know, I, I've, I've really been championing, um, this small ball, mid ball, big ball number. And I kind of looked at it a little bit for this and, Mark Canna in all of MLB, so for all ball, which means, you know, the all of the, the all around, in all of MLB, Mark Canna's 35th, mm. okay? Interesting. Where Eduardo Escobar is 177th, okay? Yeah. He, he was one of the worst shortstops in, or um, one of the worst third basemen in all ball. Mark Canna was sixth in outfield, okay, right behind Starling Marte. So I think Mark Canna is going to be a very interesting and very um, good signing for the Mets that I don't think anybody's paying attention to right now because he was on that A squad and platooning on the A squad. And so you didn't really get to see that much because the A's are overshadowed by Matt Chapman and Matt Olson. Well, here's here's my take on that whole thing, that that combination of Mark Canna and Eduardo Escobar. So Because both guys hit for low batting average. You mentioned that uh, Canna is uh, – one of the better hitters out there, but he's, he's a, what I like to uh, classify as professional hitters. He knows the strike zone. He doesn't yeah. swing at too many bad pitches. Uh, he gets on base, but he does 
come with very low batting averages, like a very low BABIP. He doesn't generate his own luck. Uh, there's a price to pay when you're that patient is that you swing at less pitches and therefore you um, th- the, the amount of times that you quote unquote spin that wheel uh, results in very poor luck, right? What, that, I, would like to, go what I would like to see is him getting regular playing time, which I think he will get with the Mets. When he was on the A's, he was platooning. He was mm-hmm. platooning in the outfield, and then he gave Matt Olson a day off at first base every once in a while. So I yeah. would like to see what he does on a rate with regular playing time. And I would wonder if, yeah, he's a patient hitter, but I would wonder if his batting average goes up with the more at bats that he gets. He's projected to have 580 plate appearances this year. So, yeah. you know, I'm kind of wondering if maybe that batting average will go up. Well, I mean, I just – Patient guys, I mean, it, they every once in a while they'll, they'll break out and do that, you know, career thing with that. Uh, they'll have a career year, but for the most part, when you're this patient like Hannah is, and, I, and how patient is he? And we talk about this all the time. You, you take a, a, a player like uh, Javier Baez, that's the first guy I think about who's not patient, who's like the other side of the spectrum, like the extreme side of the spectrum. Yeah. And the reason that he's relevant is because he just hacks at everything and he generates his own luck. Whereas guy like Mark Hanna, he's very patient and. Um, and the batting average is still low because he's just too patient. So, uh, and Mark Hanna swings at 24.4% outside the strike zone swing percentage, which is just, I mean, you want to see that you want to see patient hitters, right? That's what we're, we've been taught all the, for like almost a decade and a half, like patience is good, but we're seeing that there's such a thing as being too patient. So, uh, and for all the reasons I mentioned, um, is when you're being too patient, you kind of let you just kind of let those opportunities slip by. I mean, there's a reason why people admire guys like Michael Jordan and and, uh, Kobe Bryant is because, you know, they might have, they might not be as efficient or uh, they, you you might criticize them for taking too many shots, but what what is that old saying? You miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. It's kind of like that same of theory, but we'll see what Mark Hanna does with a new team with, like you said, more playing time. But at this point, he is who he is right now. He's not going to strike out too much. Uh, he's going to generate lots of walks. He's going to get on base. Uh, he will hit for the gaps, like you mentioned. I mean, I, I believe the Mets park is just as uh, a big of a pitcher-friendly ballpark as uh, Oakland was. Maybe not as severe, but still. Um, and then, you know, Canna has a 431 career slugging percentage. So it's not it's not a like a world-beating, you know, slugging percentage. But let's say that this 403 slugging percentage as he's projected to get for next year sticks. Well, the reason you get Eduardo Escobar, because he's on the other side of that spectrum, right? Um, let's see, what is his plate discipline numbers? Are? As I'm kind of searching on my other screen to see, just to make sure that I'm not talking out of my butthole here. Plate well, this- <laughs> while you're looking at that, the other thing that I Go was ahead. thinking was, I think the Mets could really benefit from the, uh, the inevitable mm-hmm. universal DH, because then they could put Pete Alonso at DH, and then you have Dom Smith at his natural position of first base. And I think he'll feel better and he'll probably uh, hit a little better knowing that, you know, he's at his natural position instead of trying to figure out the outfield. And he did. He did. When, in 2020, when he got those opportunities with a designated hitter, he did. I mean, I know this because he saved my fantasy team from total annihilation. He came uh, in a league full of Mets fans. The Mets fans didn't believe in him. So I, I swiped them up and he did wonders for my team. Uh, so yeah, that, all very good points on your part. I mean, this looks like a like an AL team ready to go if need be. I and mean, you got JD Davis as well, who could platoon. Uh, Jeff McNeil, who now is relegated to the bench on uh, on a, on a lot of teams, he probably start. 
Uh, but getting back to Eduardo Escobar, yep, uh, he is a hacker. He loves to swing at pitches. He is a little bit more impatient than Mark Hanna. So that's the other side of the spectrum. But what you do get out of, out of Eduardo Escobar, like you mentioned, is that explosive bat. So it's kind of a nice little balance you got there. You got the Mark Hanna, who's a more conservative uh, batsman, right? Uh, and then you got Eduardo Escobar, who generates high levels of fly balls, uh, has a, uh, let's see here, a hard hit rate of 34%, which is not something to brag about, but Escobar has known to uh, generate plenty of home run power as I try to figure out. Yep, right there, 28 home runs last year, 35 in 2019, 23 in 2018, 21 in 2017. So that's why you get this combination, you know, and with the idea that, hey, if Cannot gets on base and Escobar drives in an end via home run or even doubles or whatever, there, that's a run right there at the at the bottom of your lineup. This looks like a really good bottom half of that lineup, except for James McCann, who kind of, you know, went back to his old ways of being James McCann. But still, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, 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 if you imagine like the, the other 30 teams and how bad they can be, this isn't bad at all for the right. Mets. That, that's why they're. They are set up to be very good. Yeah. But and that, the, the key is, can they stay on the field and mm-hmm. can they put it together? Because they were, they were supposed to look really good last year and fell apart. Yep. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. And I think they have more of a balanced lineup mm-hmm. than last year, for sure. With the pickup, with the pickups that they do have, um, you know, you have your on-base guys, you have your guys that'll hit it in the gap. You have your veterans, and then you have your power guys. I think this is a really balanced lineup, and they're poised to be really good with that one-two punch. That's Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer. They're set up to be really good. Question is, are they going to met, or are they going to put it together? Yeah, and I had high hopes for this team last year as well, and I thought they were pretty deep last year as well. I thought they had a really good bullpen. I thought they had the, enough guy, enough arms in the rotation to. Um, kind of uh, survive any serious injuries. And the, I mean, it, they look like it for a while. I mean, they were in first place for a very long time yeah. before the Atlanta Braves took over and eventually won the world series last year. Um, uh, exceeding, superseding, super exceeding a lot of expectations uh, for the Braves, but you know, that's the Mets. Here we go again. They last off season, Sean and I were marveling at all the moves they made this off season, right off the bat. We're marveling at all the moves that they made. So we'll see if they can actually put this together. But all you can ask, listen, man, if you're a fan of your, any baseball team, this is what you ask for uh, out of your ownership group, out of your free, out of your general manager. Give us a chance. At least try. They're trying. They they're are. trying. And they're making all the right, what seemingly seems to be the right moves. I mean, if you're a Mets fan, you can't be too disappointed with this offseason. And uh, we'll go. We'll go from there. Uh, here's the bullpen. They still got Edwin Diaz, Trevor May, Seth Lugo, Milgal Castro. I don't see any new names on this list, so it's the same group of players. Wow. Uh, again, really good names, really decent arms. You, Except Aaron Loop is gone. They ah oh, yeah. So that's gonna hurt a lot. He kind of came out of uh, nowhere. I did not. I didn't. I don't remember ever talking about him at all last uh, this past season. So uh, he did break out. So that's gonna suck. But they still have some. Depth, some depth, not a lot of depth, but some depth. Um, the Mets do. Uh, some guys who can rack up the strikeouts in very short amount of times. Uh, high velocity guys, as always. So that's what the Mets are known to do. Uh, how does it, just out of curiosity, how does the rest of the team look? They got Francisco Alvarez, who's a very 
a much hyped up uh, prospect, the number five prospect according to Fangraphs um, from uh, their 2021 list. Uh, first base, uh, nothing to talk about. Uh, second base, uh, Travis Blankenhorn might be something. We'll see. Uh, looks like he might have gotten a cup of coffee. Yeah, he did get a cup of coffee last year with the Mets. Uh, Mark Vientos at third base might be a thing. Brett Beatty, the 14th overall prospect, in, uh, according to Fangraphs. Ronnie Mauricio. Ah, oh, yeah, Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, oh, yeah, so yeah he, right. he's going to be coming up soon. And where do you play him? Uh, if you're the Mets, what do you, uh, you, do you take out Robinson Cano? Well, yeah, you got to trade him away to make room for Ronnie Mauricio one of these days. Um, maybe he could step up. The, this young guy could step up for Robinson Cano if ever he gets dealt. But then you got to battle of Jeff McNeil, which at this point should not look too hard. But McNeil's a scrappy guy. That's why that's why his nickname is he's nicknamed after a rodent. Uh, Khalil, <laughs> Khalil Lee. I know that that's a guy that the, uh, Sean talked about a lot uh, in years past. Um, and what about the pitcher, David? Oh my God, David Peterson, who kind of had a decent, uh, look good at, at certain points of the year last year before he kind of, uh, uh, just was way too inconsistent. Jordan Yamamoto, yeah, sorry, Yamamoto. I do apologize for that. He's another, uh, arm that provides depth. Uh, Matt, oh my God, Matt Allen, if he could ever stay healthy, he's supposed to be another one of them fireballers, but he's, uh, he's only 20 years old and he just, I believe he just got Tommy John surgery, of course, because it's the Mets. Um, <laughs> Anybody in their bullpen that kind of catches my eye? Not really. So that is your 2022 New York Mets as of early December. Um, any last thoughts on the on, on New York's second team over there? Uh, I almost call you Sean again, Austin. <laughs> I would. Um, I'd be real. I'm really interested to see how the Mets do. I think it could go one way or another. Either they finally put it all together and they make a deep playoff run, or we see them fall apart again. Um, <laughs> and I think. I think it I think it depends on if they can stay on the field and if Robinson Cano can quit shooting up steroids and um, <laughs> and uh, you know if Jacob deGrom stays on the field, I feel like that one two punch can carry that pitching staff and might t- uh, turn that pitching staff because then it'll be contagious, right? Good pitching will be contagious just as like will, COVID. as will <laughs> as as will good hitting be mm-hmm. right so. Um, they got a good lineup. They have a pretty good farm system. I'm excited to see what they do. All right. Oh, we got some comments. Uh, Jacob from the Step Back Podcast. I'm currently beating the crap out of him by over 100 points in fantasy basketball. Nice try. Thanks for playing, Jacob. But he does have some comments about his New York Mets. Uh, on Dominic Smith, we all are we are ugh, we all are hoping for the universal DH. Hey, man, as a Cub fan who saw Kyle Schwarber in left field. It's a little bit too late for us, but yes, as a fantasy leaguer, as a fantasy player, I would love to see the day that the National League acquires a designated hitter just so we can see more Dominic Smith. We saw what he could do. Like I mentioned, we saw what he could do when he gets regular playing at-bats, a regular playing time, I should say. So, uh, And then Jacob says, last year, it all came down to the pitching and driving runners in. It seems, well, that just seems to be like two very important aspects of baseball, don't it? <laughs> uh, you mentioned that this is definitely a good AL lineup. Um, and Jacob wants to finish it off by saying, Hey, listen, the Mets have a better farm system than people think. You know, that's hey, you know what? They do. I, I, it's a sneaky farm system. I just mentioned some names out there. Um, but well, we already talked about the Mets, I don't want to keep talking about them. But if I take a quick look, no, nah, no, nah, see, this lineup is so, um, what do you call it? Uh, 
is so changed now because of all the acquisitions that they made right that, that it doesn't look the, like everybody no not a single homegrown oh okay pete alonso's one homegrown player but before that i mean it was michael conforto brandon nemo oh there's brandon nemo too uh dominic smith i guess uh, jeff mcneil jd davis okay so i guess you could say that there's a lot of homegrown, they have players. homegrown players they're just on the bench yeah now they are but before when they were uh spotlighting on the starting lineup they were not getting the results that they wanted that they thought they should be getting and listen every year sean and i talk about this the mets are one of the better teams in the national league i agree and every year they let us down every single year and i tell this to every mets fan that can hear me if i were a mets fan i'd be super pissed at the underachievement of that team because you look at that lineup you look at the that, that team on paper and like, oh, this this team is a National League East contender and maybe even a National League pennant winner. And and I jumped the gun in February of this past uh, 2021. I said, wow, if all things go accordingly and they keep adding and, and, you know, adding to their death and stuff, you're looking at the National League pennant winner right here. This is back in February. Now I chickened out and switched my and switched to the Dodgers in March. as my official prediction. But the Mets have players. They always do. And they always let people down. And I don't understand why or how or when or what the hell. And, and, and Jacob could say, oh, pitching and driving and runs. Like, that's the two most important things in Major League <laughs> Baseball. And and, you're, and this your talented players are not getting you there to that promised land. I don't know. But this is what you do, though. You go back to the cupboard and see what's out there for to supply to your team, you know. And they're doing all the right moves. I honestly do think the last two off seasons that the Mets have done the right moves. It just, I don't know, for some reason, it, it doesn't work out. And it just, it's just mind-boggling. Anyway, that's enough. This isn't Mets talk. We, we, we're going to move on to Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, uh, two big-name free agents. I mean, look at this. Ten-year deal for Corey Seager. Is that right? Ten-year deal, $325 million? That's, that's just bananas. <laughs> I mean, gonna, he's going to play till he's age 30. This, this looks like the almost like the equivalent of the Robinson Cano deal from like, well, 10 years ago, I guess. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then Marcus Simeon, who's going to be playing that same thing. So these guys are going to be playing all the way to the age 38 seasons. If this, if the, uh, if the lifetime of this contract comes to completion, seven years, $175 million, you know, cause he's Marcus Simeon is older. Therefore he gets a cheaper contract relatively speaking, of course. So, in the grand scheme of things for this struggling, struggling Texas Rangers club, what does that look like? Well, you got Willie Calhoun, who, I mean, we talked about all the injuries with the Mets. Um, Willie Calhoun is always a guy uh, who has a lot of promise. And then once he gets regular playing time, he just kind of lets you down. And then injuries take over. Let's look at the projections. Uh, they look 20- playing right field for Rangers. Ah, uh, yeah. The other Calhoun, Cole Calhoun, but we'll get to him when we get to the six spot. But I want to ask your thoughts on Willie Calhoun. You are an AL West person. Um, what do you think um, is holding back Willie Calhoun over there? Um, I mean, the first thing I can see, I don't know much about Willie Calhoun because I haven't really been paying attention to the Rangers. I probably should now because the Rangers are probably going to leapfrog the Angels. Um, but from what it looks like right now, he's platooning at DH. How in the world do you platoon at DH? <laughs> he's uh, like, he's not a so, very good fielder. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, well, if he if he can't hold the DH spot, he must not be that great of a hitter either. I mean, he is pro- he is projected to have a two sixty seven average, but a two sixty seven average in the leadoff spot is a little low. At the, along so, with a three twenty nine uh, projected on base, so that's yeah. That's ridiculous I mean, low. when you have, I mean, for the top spot. 
you know, that's pretty low. So, I mean, maybe he'll, if he focuses on hitting, because now it looks like you got a number of uh, people that can field. Um, if he can focus on hitting, maybe he'll get better. But, you know, I'm not quite sure why he's in the starting lineup if he has to platoon for DH. He must, I mean, he's projected to have 20 homers. He's 457 slugging percentage, so maybe it's to supply some power. But yeah, uh, if you he, have to if you have to platoon at DH, I don't know what you're there for. Yeah, and it's the other guy, Andy Ivanias. He might be a thing. He might. He may not be a thing. But I guess he's the other uh, option. Or Eli White, who I'm not too familiar with, uh, but doesn't look like he's going to be come onto anything. But so that by you know just by default, Willie Calhoun is the better option. And he's a very toolsy player. He's only 5'8". He's a short guy, relatively speaking. But he's a very toolsy player. He has the raw power that scouts fell in love with. He's not fast. He can't feel. He can't throw. But he is supposed to be a natural-born hitter from the left side. Um, and the other thing that people love about him is that he hits the ball very hard. I mean, he's averaged about 89.89.5 miles an hour on exit velocity. He shot it up to 90 last year um, and a hard hit rate of 41.4 percent hard hit rate uh out of stack cast um so the tools are there i mean that's that's the reason why people like him so much but he, number one he can't stay healthy number two he can't put other things together um and he's a he's a free swinging hitter from what i remember uh actually he's pretty patient he makes he makes decent amount of 85.7 percent contact rate there's your answer i mean he hits for some pop he hits for a lot of high number of contact so the promise is there. My question is, can he stay healthy? Because he hasn't been. I mean, if you look at his uh, his baseball card numbers and you look at the games played, it's like, are, are we looking at an NBA player? Or are we looking at a major league player? Because uh, he he never goes over 100 games ever. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. But uh, no, I mean, so we'll see. It, it all comes down to health. But here's the big prize right here. Marcus Simeon who maybe from what you're just telling me about Willie Calhoun, maybe it sounds like you would probably put him at the number one spot over Willie Calhoun, but Marcus Simeon is the big splash player. Now, Simeon, for me, comes with a lot of question marks. Sometimes he'll have a good season. Other times he'll come back down to earth and they'll just go like an ebb and flow. But last year was a big monster year for Marcus Simeon. Do you expect the same out of him next season? I think I'm the same as you because he has he's been inconsistent. I don't know if he'll have as good of a season as he did last year, especially with the change of scenery and the big contract. Usually when we see people change teams and they get a big contract, their numbers dip and their production kind of goes. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really thinking he's going to have that as good of a season as he did last year, but I could very, very well see him having a good season for the Rangers. I think that's a good ballpark for him. Um, and he's one of the best, I think, in terms of, or last season anyway, in terms of the all-around game. So the fact that he had so many facets to his offensive game, they all, not all of them can go away. He has to keep something. So I think he's put it together enough to have a good season. I'm just not quite sure it'll be as monstrous of a season as he did with Toronto last year. Uh, good morning to our friend Dan, uh, who was nice enough to join. Uh, well, uh, yeah, us because you were you were there in spirit uh, for Thank last you. week's uh, podcast. Go listen to it. Um, tonight is a night that the early baseball and Golden Days era committees make their Hall of Fame selections, unless something has changed. As far as I'm concerned, it's still happening later tonight. So 
check out our podcast as we break down all 20 uh, candidates for the Hall of Fame this uh, for 2022. So good. One more time, big thanks to Dan for joining me last uh, uh, last week's episode. Uh, but yeah, Marcus Simeon, Evan Flo, last year monster number, uh, but he's also had stinker of um, of seasons as well. But we, we know we get him because he could potentially steal a lot of home runs and provide speed on the base pass. But as a 31-year-old, how much more does he have left on that tank? Yeah. Seven years seems to be a very long time for a player of his caliber who I still don't, I just don't see it. I don't see him being uh, that consistent power hitter with the 15 stolen bases for the, even for this upcoming season. And Texas has already been, uh, ha- has a reputation for being a hitter, uh, a pitcher friendly ballpark. I, sorry about that. Pitcher friendly ballpark, not hitter friendly. It's, it's not the ballpark at Arlington like it used to be. So we'll see if Simeon can um, overcome those odds. And let's face it, that AL East, if you're a power slugging hitter, it, that's just, <laughs> you're just looking your chops because you, you get the Orioles, uh, you get to play against Fenway, against Yankee Stadium. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, you get to face the Rays as well. But uh, <laughs> but you play at Toronto as well. Who That's kind of, um, I don't know. I mean, you, you saw that lineup last year. They, they were able to generate lots of power and lots of uh, offensive production. So he's going to a, a, an even worse team in Texas who's just like, well, we're going to talk about it. That's why we're here because we're kind of curious to see what does this mean for the in the long run for the Texas Rangers. But Simeon, uh, whether we like it or we don't like it, he is now a cornerstone piece for that franchise for years to come. Corey Seager is another guy. Uh, you are in L.A. Uh, you're living in, in the L.A. area. You, I'm pretty sure you got to see a lot of Corey Seager. At the very least, you heard a lot about Corey Seager. Yes, what can, I did. What, uh, what intel can you share with us about him? The Dodgers fans out here would never let me not hear about Corey Seager. Um, Corey Seager, I will give him credit. I, I really like Corey Seager. I do. I think he's a, I think he's a great um, pickup for the Rangers. I'm not so sure why the Rangers are making these big splashes when they kind of, you know, when they have some holes still and they're not really anywhere near winning the AL West, which is one of the weaker divisions in the league. But, you know, Corey Seager is a good pickup. He's a left-handed hitter. He'll hit for pop. He's got, you know, he'll, he'll get on base. I mean, he's projected to have a 368 on base percentage. He'll get on base, you know, and one thing the Dodgers are really good at is their approach and teaching their players how to approach at the plate. Mm-hmm. That's why they've been so good offensively, right? So Corey Seager knows what he's doing when he gets there, right? The The issue is, can he stay on the field? He wasn't on the field last year. So can he stay on the field this year with a big contract and, then, and a new team, much like Marcus Simeon? What kind of Corey Seager are we going to see with a big contract and, and the new team, right? He's been on the Dodgers, his whole playing career. So now he's going to Texas. And not only that, he's going from the NL to the AL like Marcus Simeon, right? So there's a lot of changes coming for Corey Seager. And I'll be really interested to see how he figures it out the the first year. The good thing is he's 28 and he'll be there for a while. So he's got some time to figure it out, but I'm sure the Rangers... uh, organization and the Rangers fan base are expecting him to produce as soon as he gets there. Well, you asked, you ask why the Rangers are making these moves and I'm looking at my other screen to see what their farm system looks like. And they do have a second baseman 
in their farm system, uh, in, currently in double A by the name of Ezekiel, Ezekiel Duran. Um, or if I anglicize it, it's Ezekiel Duran. And let's go all the way down. There he is. Came from the Yankees. And I'm wondering if that's the trade that brought over Joey Gallo to uh, to the Yankees. I believe it was. Well, he's only 22 years old, 5'11", second baseman. Um, not a, you know, he's not a, not the greatest of hitters. He does have some power for a second baseman. Like That's supposed to be his big thing. Uh, even Fangraph says a little second baseman with shocking power for his size. So we'll see. Not there's no speed. The fielding is bad, but because of that power, he gets a 50 future value grade from Fangraphs and is the number 111th best prospect according to their uh, rankings. So that is one guy that you're kind of saying, "Hey, well, why are they blocking this kid?" Well. Because uh, he's going to be in double A next year and he still needs some polish. He still needs to be uh, get some playing time. I wouldn't be surprised if he'll eventually make it to triple A next year because he is 22 years old. So like the clock is already ticking for a, a prospect of his stature. But so that's why you sign Marcus Simeon to kind of combat that. Right. And as far as the shortstops go, because that's Corey Seager's new position. Uh, uh, Corey Seager is going to take up over, over that spot. Uh, there's nobody in nobody worth mentioning here. Maybe David Wenzel, but he's already 24 years old and he's gonna be in double A. So no, no, bro, you're not, you're not gonna, you're not, you're, you, you were not going to uh, put it this way. The Rangers go out there and put and bring in Davis Wenzel to be their starting shortstop sometime next year. You're in a lot worse shape than you were if 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 you don't sign Corey Seager. And, and to their credit, just like the Mets, they're trying. They're trying to plug up some holes. They understand that they have not, they're they're not having any shortstops coming in through the pipeline anytime soon. So you might as well secure one for the next 10 years and hope that he stays healthy because when he is healthy, he is a, a premier hitting shortstop like nobody else is. He could be pound for pound the best hitting shortstop in all of baseball if he's ever healthy because um, he has everything. He has all the tools. Uh, Corey Seager has all the tools to be that guy, but can he stay one healthy? One thing I want to know mm-hmm. is how does Texas, who yeah. was in the cellar yeah. of the AOS division, Mm-hmm. How did they convince two of the premier hitters in this free agent market to come to Texas? I want to know what they told them. Uh, Are they done making moves? That's what I want to know. I hope not. I, I want to see you because usually you don't see this. You don't see. No, I know. I know. Premier hitters go to last place teams, especially with the uh, hitter friendly. Um, I'm sorry, pitcher friendly uh, dimensions. I mean, yeah. At least that's what the 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 reputation is at the moment right now. That hey, it looks like uh, te- this new Texas ballpark is going to be a very pitching friendly uh, ballpark. Uh, but money talks. I mean, Corey Seager th- got three hundred thirty million, uh, and then Marcus Simeon got one hundred seventy million. So money talks. That has to be one. Uh, and um, other than that, I I don't know. I mean. It has to be a money thing. It's, maybe it's one of those things where they wanted to, they were, they care more about the money than they did about winning. <sighs> like, well, if you bring in two of the better players from last season, the hope says that they do improve your stock, that they do improve your winning ways. I yeah. mean, right now, this looks like a solid 70, 75 win team. But if they keep adding more and more players, maybe the Texas Power Rangers can surprise some people and make some noise. Uh, put it this way, man the Astros, they're going to lose a lot. They're, they're losing Carlos Carrasco unless a miracle happens, right? Yeah. The Oakland A's don't even try. The Angels are a freaking mess from top to bottom. Like I'm talking yep. from ownership all the way down to the minor leagues yep. and, and the people in the concession stand selling the 
food and drinks. Like that's how bad of an organization that team has become. But we're going to get to your Angels in a little bit here as well because that's an interesting team as well. And then who, who am I missing out of the West? Uh, they, oh, well, the Mariners. Uh, the Mariners, uh, look out because that might be – now, I don't want to get my hopes up because every every year, every time we talk about the Mariners farm system being good, they always let us down. I mean, we just talk about Taiwan Walker now with the Mets. But the Mariners look like they might have a thing going there. That looks like a team that has some sustained competitive – uh, uh, years away, uh, maybe even a decade of competitiveness in them um, for the future. So maybe the Rangers, this is their way to combat that because they don't, we just saw their, their middle infield situation and it doesn't look too well for the Rangers. So that's where they went out and signed these guys. And maybe that's part of the reason they're Austin is that they looked at the farm system themselves and like, and Simeon looks at the guy who might replace him. What is Ezekiel Duran? He's going to replace me. He can't even field. I could feel screw that guy. And Corey Seager looks at the shortstops as well. And like, there's nobody there to replace me either. I'm good. What Isaiah Kiner for left was going to be there to replace me. He can't hit for power. <laughs> so, so maybe that's, that's part of the allure. I don't know. I mean, or, or, you know what? There's no state income tax in Texas. It's true. <laughs> uh, property values are lower in Texas, you know, uh, and the Dallas area is, is as cosmopolitan as it gets. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, cities in Texas. So, uh, you know, so that's maybe part of the allure. That's part of the reason. And then you could practice baseball all year long as opposed to having to travel to Arizona and Florida. If you're, if you're in a northern city to go out there and practice your baseball skills. I'm just, you know, picking at things to see what fits. But, it, I mean, you know, when you take that big picture look, maybe it does make sense. Maybe it makes it doesn't make sense why more teams don't want to flock over to Texas. So we'll see. I mean, you mentioned it. Are they done? We'll see. Once the lockout finishes and, and, and they realize that they got more holes to plug up, we'll see. Adolas Garcia, I think you and I talked about this guy a lot. He's the yeah. cleanup hitter. Um, I forgot. Do you like him or don't like him? I, I don't remember. I like him. Uh, I think yeah. he's he – I don't a, like him. I don't like a, him at all. He had a good, he had a good rookie season – I think he will hit a sophomore slump because he is a power hitting rookie. Um, so I think with the tools that he has, I don't think he will stay in the number four spot um, for this Texas team. I, I think he's going to struggle next year and we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think if anybody's going to have a sophomore slump, it's going to be Adolis Garcia. Yeah. And it's not even a sophomore slump or anything. It's just that he's, He's just so fluky. I mean, the guy like this who let, let's look at this man, 54% swing percentage that every other more than every other pitch he'll just hack at along with a 17.2 swinging strike rate. He needs to cut that down, but people are going to say, well, the results is that he hit 31 home runs and stole 16 stolen bases. So again, like a Marcus Simeon, because he's a rookie type player. Yeah. Uh, he had, but he did slump. I mean, he, he made the all-star game, right? I believe he yeah. made, the, I, I still can't believe he made the all-star team. I mean, he had a good year, but not that good every year, but, um, but I, I, he, I believe it just, he, I feel like he got exposed in the second half. Like there was, he was neutralized. People pitchers figured him out and, Look at the 243 average last year, 286 on base percentage. And the projections are right in line. 227 batting average for 2022, 273 on base percentage. Now, Felipe, projections are just projections. But this is the baseline right here. 273 on base percentage anywhere in your lineup is just putrid. Okay. So, but we'll see. Now, on the opposite side of the spectrum, we have another guy like Mark Hanna, Nathaniel Lowe, Nate Lowe, formerly of the Tampa Bay Rays. He had a pretty good season last year. Um, 
uh, now, of course, he didn't get the lofty power numbers that Adolas Garcia got. He didn't get called up to the All-Star game, but this is a more polished hitter compared to Adolas Garcia. 18 home runs only, but, you know, he was able to limit his strikeouts. You know, he didn't go up to 30% like Adolas Garcia did. 25% is still high, but that's because he's a patient hitter. 12.5 walk percentage, so he can take his base. 357 on base percentage. I mean, don't we want, isn't that what we want? We don't, we want these players to get on base and stuff. Now, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just fan. Uh, I'm just uh, romanticizing a guy like Nate Lowe. What do you think about him? I, I, I think if I had to pick two, uh, if I had to choose between the two, I would pick Nate Lowe over Adolis Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Nate Lowe will probably turn into the cleanup hitter with this uh, in this lineup. I think you're right. I think he's definitely the more complete all-around hitter um, over Adolis Garcia. I mean, he's projected to have a 351 on base. So, and if you're looking for a power hitter to get on base, I think Nate Lowe is going to be one of those guys. Um, so, I like Nate Lowe better. I think I think you're on the right track when it comes to Nate Lowe. Now you can say and say, well, Adolis Garcia puts up the stats. He gets in the results. And then you look at the stat cast numbers. Adolis Garcia, 91 exit velocity. 90, that's 91 mile per hour exit velocity with an 11.5% barrel rate and a 45.3% hard hit rate. For, for Nathan, Nate Lowe, he's at 90.8% exit velocity. So he's right there with Adolis Garcia. Now the barrel rate is not as high. I mean, he's, Nate Lowe was at 9.5%. So he didn't even get hit double digits last year. But as far as hard hit rate goes, Hard hit rate for Nathan Lowe, uh, uh, Nathaniel Lowe, according to his stat cast, he's at 45.5%. He's right there. He's right there with Adolos Garcia, except that he doesn't hack at every freaking pitch that he sees. That's the difference. So it, it, it really is like, do you want the raw Adolos Garcia, who's already 28 years old, he's going to be 29 next year, or Nathaniel Lowe, who's still in his mid-20s? You see how I framed that? You see how I spun that there, uh, Austin? Yes. Lowe's a late bloomer because he played for the Tampa Bay Rays all those years, you know? So you you know how the Rays like to do their rookies and their prospects wrong. All right, here's your doppelganger, Cole Calhoun, who uh, I believe you were kind of shocked that he went over to the the Texas Rangers, as I was, but he he was a sneaky uh, signing by the uh, Texas Rangers. He was. I didn't even know until a couple weeks ago. I was talking to somebody else, and they're like, oh, yeah, they've got Cole Calhoun, too. I was like, they've got – who? I thought he was on the Diamondbacks. So, yeah. Yeah. So, he his season ended kind of prematurely last year, didn't it? He got a very severe injury. I he's, believe he did get hurt last year. I just year. don't remember what it was. You know, everything's a blur at this point. But, listen, 34 years old, how much do you think your doppelganger over there in Texas has left on his tank? I think he's there for his glove. I don't mm. think he's there for a bat. I think he's there for his glove. Um you know, I mean, he's a gold glove right fielder. He's a very good fielding right fielder. Um, he is 34. He is getting up there. So I don't know how good of defense it will be, but I think he is there for his glove. I don't think he's there for hitting. Um, being an Angel fan, seeing Cole Calhoun, I really liked Cole Calhoun. I think, I think the Angels did him wrong. I think they put him in the wrong spot and did not set him up for success when he was on the angels, but after, because he was a pretty solid player for the diamondbacks uh, problem was he was on the diamondbacks. Um, but now he's a little older. 
I don't think the bat's going to quite be there. He's in a pitcher-friendly ballpark, so he won't have as big of power numbers as he probably could. But I think he's there for his glove. All right, let's quickly move on. Um, we got uh, Jonah Heim, Nick Solak, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. So those are kind of like the mainstays of the Texas Rangers, especially Solak and Kiner-Falefa, who now they were at the top of the lineup, but now they're at the bottom of the lineup. At I least think, I, that's how I, I at least Kiner, that's how I remember it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think Kiner Falefa will be a very interesting trade piece. Mm -hmm. I know the Yankees are very interested in him, but I think he will be a very interesting trade piece. And maybe that's another way for the Rangers to improve their farm system a little bit is by trading Kiner Falefa because Kiner, Fal Kiner Falefa can play multiple positions, including catcher. No. I think that's what the Yankees are interested in is having him play catcher and get rid of Gary Sanchez. Um, but I think kind of, I think out of any of these, I think kind of Falefa is an interesting trade piece because you mentioned it. Uh, yeah. And kind of Falefa is also blocking two prospects for the Rangers. Not one of them is certain apostle who, you know, not, he's not the big name. He's not anything special, but he's a, he's only 22 years old. He comes with lots of power, you know, at least potentially he does. He comes with lots of power. And he, like I said, he right now is currently being blocked by um, kind of Falefa. Needs to uh, kind of limit his strikeouts, though. He does strike. Out. He's basically Adoles Garcia. So you, you're seeing, you're sensing uh, the uh, kind of the kind of players that the Texas Rangers are bringing up. Uh, yeah. But he's a big one. He's a uh, 200 pounds. Hits for uh, he could potentially hit for lots of power down there if he could ever put it together. But the big, uber talented prospect is Josh Young. Is it Josh? Yeah. Josh Jung? Josh Young? Josh Young? J-U-N-G. Sorry about that. I'm butchering the name. Now, he's only 6'2", 214-pounder, but this is supposed to be the more polished player. He's supposed to have high grades in hitting, power, decent amount of speed, can feel the position pretty well, according to the 50-55 uh, grade at, over at Fangraphs. He's only the 50... Oh, I'm not there yet. Sorry about that. I'm on my other screen. He's only the 57th best prospect, in all, according to Fangraphs. So see, there's Shirt and Apostle. There's Josh Young. Uh, he's a former first-round pick there. So, and he's already, in, he'll be in AAA this upcoming season. Actually, he was in AAA last year. Sorry about that. Where he did post some decent numbers with a 348 batting average and, uh, and only 35 games, 156 plate appearances, 436 on base percentage, 652 slugging percentage. He's supposed to be the real deal for the Texas Rangers. Needs a little bit more polish, I am assuming. But uh, yeah, if you trade away a kind of Falefa, you do make room for Josh Jung. Uh, let's see, anybody... Any other player in their hitting farm system that is worth mentioning? Sam Huff, maybe. Maybe Sam Huff. We'll see. Yeah, there was a there was a real brief moment where Sam Huff had the spotlight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of do remember. We talked about Ezekiel Duran. I do kind of remember that about Sam Huff, but uh, we'll see about that. There's a the third baseman who's a they short have lighter, don't they? Oh, yeah, we're, hey, you're jumping the gun there. Uh, really quick, Leotis Tavares, who was at one point the number one prospect, uh, can't can hit a lick, but he's super, super duper fast. So one of these days he'll get things together. He's only 23 years old, so we'll see. Um, and Sounds I like another Billy Hamilton in the making. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we move on, I mean, that's all. That's pretty much all the hitters worth mentioning. Yoni Hernandez could be a thing, or he came in, he cannot be a thing, but I know he's patient. And I know that Sean was bragging about him because he loves those types of players over to the pitching side. Cause they did get uh, uh, John Gray, the big hulking mass of a starting pitcher, formerly of the Colorado Rockies. 
was drafted the same year that Chris Bryant was drafted, uh, third pick overall in the 2013 draft. He is now a Texas Power Ranger. Seems to be a good fit. Um, do you? How much do you like or do not like that move there? I wanted the Angels to get John Gray. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, at first when I heard that he went to the Rangers, I was like, that's a weird ballpark for John Gray. But, you know, I got I got confused with their old ballpark. Yep. But John Gray, I think, has really been one of the only pitchers. I mean, the 431 ERA doesn't – oh, that's his projections. Um, but – he's really been one of the only pitchers I feel like that figured out how to pitch in Coors in at Coors. So if you could figure out how to pitch at Coors, I think you could really pitch and be effective anywhere. Yeah. So I think that 431 ERA is a little high. Do I think he's an ace? No, I think he I think he should be an SP2, mm-hmm. but for this team, he's the ace. Yeah. Um I like the John Gray signing. I think the I think he will do very well going from a the hitters ballpark that's Coors Field to Texas, but I think the Rangers need another pitcher. I think this might be their reincarnation of Lance Lynn, best case scenario, because he still has a a, a healthy amount of velocity on his fastball. He right. still has all the. I mean, he's a former top five pick who sur- who did a good job surviving the harsh elements of course field so there is some hope for him i'm not gonna lose hope i want to i'm you know john gray fresh new slate for him you know he's only 30 years old and as we know older is better when it comes to starting pitcher unless i'm proven otherwise by some of these younger pitchers that are coming up but i mean i'm sorry you're not putting dane dunning as your number one starter for this upcoming year i don't know who taylor hearn is and i I go out of my way to learn about every single baseball player who's on a major league roster. I don't give two Fs about Taylor Ern at this point. I don't even know who AJ Alexi is. I know who Spencer Howard is. I know that he looked awful last year. So he has a ways to go. So, but yeah, Dane Dunning, uh, that was another, he's, uh, that was another uh, full season under his belt. That was his first full season under his belt last year after toiling away in the, in the White Sox minor league system. Uh, no, no, he he is a work. He's still a work in progress, even though he's what twenty six years old. So it's next year is a, is a kind of a make or break season for him, I believe, unless the Rangers are masochistic and continue to believe in him. But yeah, something has to give. We need to see some improvement out of this guy, uh, out of Dane Dunning. Let's see, did his strikeout rate go up at least? Let me see, strikeout rate, strikeout rate. Nope, it actually dropped last year. So <laughs> it went from twenty four point six percent to twenty two point three percent. Come on, man. At least his walk rate went down too. Uh, Taylor Hearn, that's the unknown. Has a good amount, a uh, healthy fastball, healthy slider, not much of anything else. So is he a bullpen guy? Or is he a starting pitcher? We don't know. The numbers suggest that he is awful as a starting pitcher, but we'll see. I mean, it was a bad year for Texas all around. AJ Alexei, uh, another guy, good fastball, good curveball, not much of anything else. Uh, how old is he? 23 years old, 6'4". 195 pounder. He's kind of lanky. Already had his cup of coffee last year with the Texas Rangers. Uh, how do you do in AAA? I mean, the strikeouts aren't there. So there is some promise there, but all the uh, uh, for the 2021 year, I mean, it's, uh, it's thing. it sucks. You know what sucks, Austin? It was, it was uh, he only pitched three games in AAA before he got called up by the Texas Rangers. But um, before that, he did show uh, a, a decent amount of strikeout numbers. 
could use some more work on his control. But his ERA peripherals don't trust him. So another work in progress, Spencer Howard, 25 years old. He was supposed to be the big hulking uh, Philadelphia uh, Phillies uh, pitching prospect and has not done anything too well, but he seems to have the best tools out of all these young pitchers. So yeah, that's uh, they're not they're they're not there, man. And then the bullpen. I don't want to talk about their bullpen. It's a work in progress all over. Yeah, their bullpen is garbage. They're the only bright spot you see in this is the, is their acquisition of John Gray. After that, there are a lot of holes when it comes to the Texas Rangers. So I think the Rangers are going to benefit from the fact that it's a pitcher ballpark. Yeah. And they have a better offensive lineup, but yeah, I don't expect them to make a huge splash in the AOS this year. All right. You, over to the starting pitcher. What do we get to see out of them in the future? And uh, I just realized that we just spent a majority of time talking about the Mets and the Texas Rangers. <laughs> so that was not by design, but Glenn Otto, who kind of reminds me of a Simpsons character. <laughs> He's already 25 years old. He's 6'3", 240 pounder. So he looks the part, but um, he still has command issues. Uh, he did have a cup of coffee with the Texas Rangers last year, was able to show really good strikeout uh, numbers, but he just was awful everywhere else in terms of ERA, in terms of how was his whip last year and in, in the short amount of time that he had with the Rangers, the whip of 171.71. So yeah, 25 year old still work in progress, but you know, these pitchers are now late bloomers. Uh, yeah. Yeri Rodriguez, who at one point was a very highly touted prospect. He's kind of, uh, um, just kind of gone away a little bit. So those are two names that we might see come up. There's Kohei Arihara. I, yeah, he was a Japanese import last year. Um, did not did not uh, impress anybody last year. So, oh man, this this Rangers team. It's it's like a tale as old as time. It's always their pitching that is never um, put well together. They could put a hitting lineup out there, but they can't they can't save their pitching staff to, I don't know. It's just, it's just confusing. Uh, they had Jack lighter. There he is. I found oh, there he is. Yeah. So uh, we're still waiting for the updated rankings from fan graphs, but yeah, number two pick overall in last year's draft going to the Texas Rangers. Uh, I wonder, does he have, no, he doesn't even have a fan graphs page yet. So, cause he has no results, but that is a name to keep an, a major, major eye on for the upcoming season. He's only 21. He'll be 22. So what's no. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. That's like, but that's a guy you, if you're in fantasy leagues or if you're just a baseball fan, you want to put write him down somewhere and just start watching out for his games because he might be coming up a lot sooner than any of us think. So that is the Texas power Rangers. Let's see what, how are we doing on time? I said, how are we doing on time? We are Okay. We're not even at the one hour mark, but we're getting super duper close. I think we might have one more team in us to talk about. So Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, as of right now, they haven't been signed yet, unless I'm missing something there, Austin. Uh, no, I have not heard that. Um, I I expect Freddie Freeman to either sign with Atlanta or I think the two the two for there are Atlanta or New York. I think he's either one of those two, but I can't see him going anywhere else. That's not Atlanta. I can't see it. I, I don't I think, know, man. I that, there were rumors that the Braves were interested in Matt Olson to kind of replace him. So I did see that, but I mean, they're competing with the Yankees. 
if the Yankees want to trade, I think the I think the Yankees will end up getting Matt Olson. But yeah, we'll see. And uh, where do you think Carlos Correa is going? Oh, Correa's hard because I thought for sure Correa was going to go to the Mets or not the Mets. I thought he was going to go to the Tigers, and then the Tigers pulled a st- stupid decision and decided to sign Javier Baez. Um, uh, I could see. Oh, it's so hard, but give me a minute and I'll, and I'll think about it. Um, but man, I really don't know with Carlos Correa because anybody else that needs a shortstop, I think has already had one. Um, the only, let's see, tigers, you could see the Astros. Oh no, not maybe. No, never mind. No, I don't see the Astros. He just came from the Astros. Um, maybe the Mariners, but they also have JP Crawford, um, the Rockies. I don't know. Ooh. I really don't know um, because the Rockies are in on some on Chris Bryant, so they're in on Chris Bryant. Might as well be in on Carlos Correa. But I don't know. Maybe the Yankees. Um, oh no, he won't be a Yankee because he, he just made said, fun of Derek Jeter. He said bad things about Jeter. That's yeah. what I mean. It's like, I don't know where he's going to go now. I thought him and Detroit was such a perfect fit and I don't understand why they didn't sign him. So my number one target, I think right now would be the Mariners to replace JP Crawford. And maybe they trade JP Crawford somewhere else because Jerry DePoto, we all know he likes to trade. So, so, uh, Really yeah. quick. So th- this has been not the way I thought things were going to go. I thought we were going to get to more teams, but apparently we're, we uh, got hung up on two teams already. So we have time for maybe one more team. So I'll, I'll let you pick. We can either talk about Robbie Ray going to the Seattle Mariners. We could talk about Eduardo Rodriguez and Javier Baez going to the Detroit Tigers. Kevin Gossman going to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, or Marcus Stroman going to the Cubs. That was or- a weird signing. Or a couple of Alex's, Alex Wood and Alex Cobb going to the Giants. Uh, so, yeah, go ahead and pick a team. I want to talk about the Mariners. Oh, of course you do. We've got West Coast bias up in this house. All right. I mean, here's the thing, though, because I've already talked about how Detroit was set up to have a really good offseason. And I think they did. They had a good pickup in Eduardo Rodriguez. But then they picked up Javier Baez. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? You could assign. I think. I think he, they should have got Correa. Anyway, um, let's do the Mariners. So the Mariners last year had a good lineup, and nobody expected it. Right? They very over. They overperformed a lot last year, but I think you're starting to see them come into themselves a little bit. And the AL West is a weak division right now. You have the A's who aren't who aren't really trying and are trying to give away their first baseman. You have the Angels who have fallen apart and fell on their face when it came to getting these premier um, pitching uh, free agents. You have Texas who's still a long way away, so they're poised, I think, to challenge these Astros for the for the division lead. And I think they're in prime position to get another big bat like Correa or Bryant or somebody like that. They lost Kyle Seager, so they could go pick up Chris Bryant. Um, I think that this is going to be a very interesting team. They picked up Adam Frazier, who is projected to have a 305 average, 
And he did really good with the Pirates, not so well with the Padres. But who knows? Maybe Seattle is his jam. Um, you know, if you get Correa, you'd have to get rid of JP Crawford. But JP Crawford is a good kind of is a good trade piece. Um, I think they're set up to be very good. Um, and you know, like I said, if you get like Chris Bryant, you can put Jared Kalenic on the bench because Kalenic could not figure it out last year. I think he needs a little more time in the minors to figure it out before he comes up. Um, but I think, I think the Mariners are finally primed to make a run, not necessarily win the, the whole thing, but make a run. I I'm really interested to see where the Mariners end up at the end of this year. Yeah, um, I think the problem there, uh, listen, for Kalenic, I will always say this. I will die on his hill. Like, if the Mariners don't mess around, don't mess around with his head, don't mess around with his playing time, they could have had all the that uh, Jerry Kalenic coming straight out of uh, the minor leagues. Uh, I'm sorry, straight out of spring training with that momentum going. I know it's just spring training. Nobody cares, right? But he was crushing it in the minors. And instead of taking advantage of that, they went ahead and, Decided to, no, nah, we're going to mess around with his service time and we're going to keep control of him, which is their right. But it, it really, I honestly do believe that it messed him up big time. So, I mean, there's a lesson to be learned here that, but anyway, that's a whole different conversation because it just really speaks volumes. For example, in the NBA right now, you have Cade Cunningham already playing. He's not in the G League. He's not in, the, in Europe, you know, trying to uh, bring in polish, uh, polish his game. He's in the NBA playing heavy minutes already after uh, spreading his ankle to start the year off. He didn't get any preseason games, but he's out there playing. There was no excuse to, oh, well, he better go down to the G League because uh, he needs to, uh, you know, get his timing back and he needs to, yeah, he's, Kay Cunningham did struggle at the beginning of the year and uh, bear with me here. So I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Just bear with me. He did struggle at the beginning of the year, but we're seeing him on the court at a professional NBA at professional NBA games, trying to figure this out, right? Trying to get a shooting uh, back in style. And he's a. Meanwhile, you're still seeing other parts of his game: his passing, his rebounding, you know, uh, and all that. Now I'm kind of escaping the other names uh, who were drafted, which is ironic because I did uh, uh, those shows about the NBA draft with Leon and Jacob. But the bottom line is, you're seeing the guys that were hyped up during the NBA draft in actual NBA games. They're not in the minors. They're not, you know, toiling away, trying to figure out their timing or their fielding. No, they're, they're, they're baptism by fire. And if something goes wrong, yeah, maybe it is time to bring them down to the G League. But the, the exposure is there is what I'm saying. That is a big problem with baseball, and I get it. You know, it's a hard game. When you have a Jared Kalenic playing, his way onto a major league roster because the results were there in spring training. And you decide, nah, we're just going to drop him. We're going to put him down to the minors because he needs more, more seasoning. That, that I think that is hurting the major league baseball because you got tomorrow's future stars crushing it in spring training and you're punishing them by sending them right back to the minors. And not rewarding them, and not seeing that they can carry that momentum into uh, April when the season starts. I don't know. It's just 
to me, it's, it's just a pet peeve of mine. Like tomorrow's stars are still in the minors. And by the time they get called up, majority of fans don't care except for like the hardcore junkies. But it's not like the NBA where the, 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 the hot shot rookie who got drafted back in June will be their opening night for the tip off. And that's any, and that's something for both hardcore fans and casual fans to look forward to. Meanwhile, Jerry Kalenix is toiling away and then he gets called up and all of a sudden he can't hit for, he's swinging at everything. He can't hit worth a lick. He's very inconsistent and his confidence goes down. Congratulations, Mariners. You played yourself. You, you're, you're on the verge of ruining this young kid's career, but we'll see because now he, but you know, now he's has to deal with Dylan Moore. Who's a more established hitter, even though you know he's kind of sucks, but he does have some pop and some speed. So I don't know. That's just the way I see it. I don't know if you see it the same way. Um, well, since we're talking about it, major league, there, there's always talking about major league baseball has a bad, does bad job marketing players. They do a bad job of, of giving these players some exposure, especially these young players. Uh, do you see it the way I see it? Or, or do you justify the Mariners, uh, bringing down Jerry clinic to the minors after spring training last year? I, I mean, I could, I, I see your point. Um, I didn't know much about Jared clinic until this, this past season. When, you know, some, some people in the group were talking about how Jared Kalanick is, is going to come up and he's going to tear the cover off the ball. And then he came up and he didn't, um, I didn't know that he did that in spring training. So yeah, in my mind, and I come from more of an old school type of, you know, I, I'm more of an old school type of methodology where it's like, if you play and if you, and you perform, then you get to go up. Like that's, that's, that's how this works. And if you don't, then sit your ass on the bench, you know, but so, yeah, if that's what they did, then that's screwed up. I didn't see, I didn't know that. I just saw him and what he did last year and was like, well, no wonder he keeps bouncing back and forth between the minors and the majors. Cause he's batting 0.097. He's got a 96 <laughs> batting average or whatever. So yeah, I don't want him on my major league team. He can't hit. So <laughs> If that's what they did, then yeah, that's screwed up. I don't, I don't, I don't care for that at all. I think that's not cool. Yeah. And I don't like the whole, oh, we're going to mess with this service time and whatever. This is where you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's why you get in trouble as a major league team because you want to keep all these guys that you like, which is great. But if you want to show these guys that you like them, put them on the field. Don't mess around and, you know, oh, we'll keep you for a little while and then, Oh, well, now I don't get to play yeah. because you keep putting me back and forth. I don't know. That's more of my old school methodology coming out of, you know, if you can play, get on the field. If you can't sit on the bench, you know, so that's my take. So yeah, I, think, I, think, I think I agree with you. If that's what they did, then that's not cool. Yeah. Cause I honestly do believe that's what happened, but yeah, you talk about, you know, being a meritocracy, uh, professional sports and it turns out that it really isn't it really isn't because these teams are justified in doing and and doing these these behaviors of uh, messing with a player's uh young career like that to the point where they're almost afterthoughts after the uh once they get called up and i don't know i mean you look at the other sports they hype up all the young prospects all the time and football which is a brutal sport a lot of these young college kids come up and they're not even uh, physically developed compared to some of the veterans who've been in there for like four or five years and, 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 you know, been getting the top treatment in the world as far as athletes, athletes go. And then here comes, 
<laughs> here comes some scrawny football player trying to make the team and he's not as well built. So he has to accelerate his, his fitness and training program before the season starts. But yeah, you see them, you see them out there all the time. You see a young quarterback uh, be baptized by fire every single time. And the ones who don't uh, are seeing their quarterbacks out there uh, at the start of the opening kickoff. Well, the coaches did something wrong. Matt Nagy, Chicago Bears, Justin Fields. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Not that I'm bitter or anything, but yeah, you know, I mean, there's a difference. There's a difference between a good coaching staff that is able to accelerate uh, their young rookie quarterback to start on time in September. And then there's the opposite side of the spectrum where you got a guy like Matt Nagy who has had a two, two NFL quarterback prospects who he can't seem to develop. It's not the player. It's the coach. Get rid of him already. Fire Matt Nagy. Not that I'm a disgruntled Bears fan or anything, but uh, no, it's, but I mean, you see it Austin. you see it with all the other teams that bring it, that draft their rookies and they, Joel Burrow last year, day one starter. They didn't pussyfoot around with him. Day one starter. No, oh, well, he needs a little bit more polish. He needs to, he needs some reps behind the back of quarterback who no one gives a two shits about. No, he was brought in. And he got to play. That's why he got picked number one overall. Here, Derek Lennox, number one prospect in all the land last year, number two at worst. Oh, well, let's just, we, we need to see more Dylan Moore. Dylan Moore! We need to see more Dylan Moore! Why? Who gives a shit about Dylan Moore? But anyway, I digress. Anyway, you're talking about Adam Frazier. Yeah, that's one of the big, uh, not a signing, but an acquisition. You're right. Uh, he's a nice, decent uh, hit for average traditional second baseman. Um, kind of let me down last year uh, with the A's as I was hoping uh, for big things out of him uh, once he got to the Padres. Uh, sorry, from the Pirates to the Padres, I should say. I was hoping for big things of him last year, and that didn't – I don't know. It wasn't enough for the Padres to get over the hump, so that's kind of disappointing. But, no, I mean, we know who Adam Frazier is, so and you already talked about him. Mitch Hanniger, Ty France, there's Gerald Canella, uh, Jerry Klenick, Kyle Lewis. So, I mean, the, the, the outfield is full of young guys that maybe one day they'll be able to amount to something and help out this Mariners team perform. Uh, but in the meantime, it's um, best case scenario is that they're ready to go right now at this instance to help their Mariners do another run at the AL West division. Abraham Toro, who's like everybody's favorite sleeper dark horse player uh, as soon as he got traded to the Mariners from the Houston Astros. Uh, Jake Fraley, I remember seeing something about him. I don't remember at this point. Anyway, we're, so not a lot of uh, new signings for the Mariners, but a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the big acquisition being Adam Frazier. They still have some young players that they, uh, there's Taylor Trammell, another former Padres uh, farmhand. He's also getting a shot as of right now, but the big name was Robbie Related Ray. to Alan Trammell? No, 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 no. He's not. He's not. Trust me, he's not. Uh, actually, I, I'll have to double check. I'll put it this way. If he is related to Alan Trammell, Taylor is. If Taylor Trammell is related to Alan Trammell, uh, that I would be very extremely surprised if he is. Uh, but the big signing here for the Mariners was Robbie Ray. Uh, and I, we spoke about Robbie Ray ad nauseum throughout the year. Uh, I think even you yourself were kind of shocked to see Robbie Ray um, post the numbers that he posted last year. Brand new yeah. ballpark. He's going to a more uh, p- traditionally pitcher-friendly ballpark in Seattle, although they've uh, already brought in the uh, defenses at least once from what I remember. It's still, a, a, you know, a black hole for offense over there. It might Maybe it might have something to do with the baseballs that Rob Manfred was playing around with. I don't know. But uh, Robbie Ray, do you think what he did in Toronto will be the new standard for him for years to come? 
Um, that's hard to say. Yeah. Right. Because he's very, he's, and I had another discussion with somebody in the group with him as well, uh, or with about Robbie Ray. I had said that Robbie Ray is a good signing. If you look at what he did last year, but if you look at the two years prior, it's tough to decide which Robbie Ray you're going to get. Yeah. And somebody was like, oh, well, he's he's Cy Young. He had a Cy Young caliber year. That's great. That's one year. That's one year. He could come here and just crap the bed. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because pitching is very volatile. And Robbie Ray himself has had years where he was one of the worst pitchers in the major leagues. And it was not in the distant past. It was very recent when he was on the Diamondbacks. So this is a very interesting signing. Um, I think the Mariners were kind of the right people to, or was kind of the right team to go after somebody like Robbie Ray because they're trying to leap over the Astros and get into the playoffs because they were oh so close to getting into the postseason last year. I think this is a move of, okay, we're riding a high right now. We have a good farm system. You know, we have some pitchers and we have some hitters that are coming up. Let's go get Robbie Ray. And if he does well, this is going to set us up for success. Right. And if not, it'd be like, oh, well, we didn't make the postseason last year. We tried. You know, it's, it's not like if the Yankees signed Robbie Ray and then he crapped the bed in Yankee Stadium, they'd be like, well, what'd you sign Robbie Ray for? Yeah. Right. This one, I think, is a pretty safe bet for the Mariners because they're not in the playoffs. They're trying. So I think that's where you can say this, this signing is justified. Did I think Robbie Ray was going to the Mariners? No, but (laughs) I think it is. I think it is a good signing for the Mariners. I don't think anybody was expecting that uh, for the Mariners to make any slack. I mean, you saw that the lineup didn't change that much. It's still the same guys from last year, except for what Adam Fraser. And now you get a full season of Abraham Toro. And then, well, boom, Robbie Ray. But the thing about that is that it does uh, bring all these other guys down a notch, right? So Marco Gonzalez is not your ace anymore by default, which is good. Chris Flexen, you know, he, he made some strides last year. Logan Gilbert also got his feet wet last year. And Justin Dunn, we're still wanting to see what he is. Um, but a lot of these guys, uh, very interestingly, are more... Uh, where Robbie Ray's like the strikeout guy who's going to rack him, rack up the K's. A lot of these other guys are just uh, control and command specialists. You know what I mean? That they're not going to post a lot of strikeouts uh, as you see from the projections, um, 146 strikeouts projected for Marco Gonzalez against 184 innings. Same thing with Chris Flexen, 142 against 171. So these guys are pretty much doppelgangers. Logan Gilbert is more of a command guy as well. I like Chris Flexen. Yeah, I do like Chris Flexen, but that's also because he carved up the Angels this flat, <laughs> this past season. So, <laughs> but uh, no, the thing about Chris Flexen is he is not going to rack up the strikeouts, but he will. He's a control artist. He he yeah. he's not going to hurt you in that way. Same thing with Logan Gilbert, who uh, has a little bit more upside. I'll, I will give him that, but uh, the the reputation is that he is a very high command guy. Like he is rated as having a sixty grade 
command when it's all said and done according to fan graphs um and with for those who don't know I, I don't know if i mentioned this or not but it's based on an 80 grade scale logan gilbert's command is supposed to go to 60 out of 80 and so far that's what he showed last year and, and he also uh, coupled that with a healthy amount of strikeout so his strikeout rate was 25.4 percent only against a 5.6 walk rate and a very very um really good for even for a rookie 1.17 whip so the the sky's the limit for logan gilbert he he already has that part of his game down he just needs to show more dominance in terms of racking up those strikeouts so we'll see if he makes any strides forward and then uh justin dunn um, i don't remember justin dunn too much so let's take a quick look at uh, him right away right away i started 16 games so he came up later in the year okay well uh he's his slider is his bread and butter so i wonder if he might just be relegated to bullpen duty as soon as the manners figure out who their next guy is because well let's take a quick look at their starting rotation in the minors they got some players in the minors who can step up right now if need be there's justice sheffield i mean he's been pretty bad he's kind of being replaced by justin dunn i i see i definitely see justin dunn and justice sheffield battling it out uh, in the uh in spring training but the big name is george kirby he's supposed to be a very good pitching prospect same thing with emerson hancock so you got a couple of guys who are just kind of waiting in the wings just getting their time in the minors right now getting that polish in and I think that's it. I don't see anybody else that's worth mentioning for the Mariners. But there's a certain uh, philosophy that the Mariners are trying to teach their young pitchers. And even guys like George Kirby, who are these highly talented prospects, they're being taught to, hey, we're going to work on your command and your control. Like, we don't care about your stuff. We think that we're, while everybody zigs and goes after that high-velocity pitching, like this, and this is – basically what Sean has repeated and echoed all throughout the year. Well, we're going to, while all these other teams are looking for high velo guys, we're just going to go for guys with decent amount of stuff, but can just command the crap out of their pitches. Uh, for example, George Kirby. Yeah. He actually does come with a really good fastball, but his secondary pitch, uh, like his slider's not that good. Curveball's pretty okay. Actually, no, it's more than okay. It's 50 out of 50. So that's, that's more than I expected, but the commands where it's at, if it all is said and done, he's supposed to be graded at 70 out of 80, Great command, according to fan graphs. So that is, uh, that is, I mean, if it comes to fruition, that's spectacular. Emerson Hancock's the other guy. Same thing. Uh, fastball slider, good combination, but he's supposed to grade at a 55 command out of 80, which that's going to, that's going to be their bread and butter to get these guys to command their pitches and everything else should fall in place. So it's very interesting philosophy and interesting theory that they're trying to pull over uh, in Seattle. So that is their Mariners. I don't want to talk about their bullpen. It's just, that still, well, did they sign anybody here? Uh, I don't see it. No, I don't see any new acquisitions from their starting bullpen at the moment. So I looked up Taylor Trammell and I see why you made the comment you did. Um, uh-huh. no, he is definitely not related to Alan Trammell. And in fact, I was just reading an article where it said that he gets very frustrated because people pronounce his last name wrong. Is it Trammell? It is Trammell. It's not Trammell. Okay. Trammell. So, Mr. Trammell, if, if you're, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> no, screw that. Because for a, I'm a guy whose name gets butchered mercilessly is it philippe is it philippe i think i've been once told hi philippe 
like jalapeno over here. My name is jalapeno. <laughs> and my last name is even worse because it has four syllables and it, it, they don't know what to do with that C near the end. Is it Malecchio, Malecchio, uh, Malecchio, Malecchio, what? Am I pronouncing it right? Oh my God, am I pronouncing it right? I don't know. Um, well, so, my yeah. last name is Spiro and I get Sparrow a lot. <laughs> You're a and, bird. You're a bird. Yeah, I'm like, well, I either get it depends on what part of pop culture you're in, I or whatever. I either get the bird, or I get <laughs> I get the Pokemon who has the same <laughs> spelling as my last name, or I get the Captain Jack jokes. So I'm like, whatever. Like as long as you just don't call me dumbass, I guess I'm fine. It's whatever. Yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> and that's something I, I learned from my dad as well. I mean, I mean, because his name is my name too, and um, yeah, his name was would be butchered all the time, and he just took it with stride. You know, he he didn't think anything of it. Like as long as people weren't uh, disrespecting him uh, yeah. or showing any malice, he was yeah. okay with it. And I think that's where I get it from. How are we doing on time? Oh wow, it's already uh, close to noon. We spent a lot of time together. Um, let me see what we're up against whether we should finish or if I could sneak in one more team, but you know, we've been talking this whole time. So that might be, nah, we're, we're, we're way, 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 way past the points here. So nice. that's a good place to stop. But we already talked about the other guys, uh, I guess, lightning round, Eduardo Rodriguez to the Tigers, uh, you know, that's a pretty good contract for the Tigers five years, 77 yeah. million for a 29 year old who has shown that he can pitch in this league. Uh, Kevin Gossman, you all know how I feel about Kevin Gossman. Although I not so sure about him going to the Blue Jays. Toronto will be tough. That is not what I wanted. AL East will be tough. That is not what I wanted to happen. But listen, if Robbie Ray could do it, Kevin Gossman can. But the problem with Kevin Gossman is that he is notorious uh, for only having that one pitch, uh, relying so heavily on his split finger uh, pitch. And even like experts say, um, guys who actually scout these guys and uh, break these numbers down, uh, some of these stack cast numbers down, like Sean will, will tell you that he only he just relies so heavily on that split finger fastball, but all his other pitches are not that good. Oh, I so, didn't know they signed Yimi Garcia. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. The, they like what they saw out of him in Miami and in Houston. Uh, so, okay, we'll see. I just know that. He kind of uh, imploded after Sean and I had so much hype surrounding him. He kind of imploded last year on his <laughs> yes, own. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, but looking at the, other, the rest of the rotation, Jose Barrios is back with the Twins. Uh, he signed a mammoth deal, which was made fun of. But it's like these guys who are making fun of Jose Barrios' contract are going to be the same guys who complain that these owners are not paying top dollar for their young players. So yeah. which one is it? I don't know. Are we supposed to be happy or are we supposed to be mocking are we supposed to be angry i don't know the guy's gonna get paid after years of playing with the twins and um being kind of like the de facto ways he's now the de facto ways for the blue just for years to come and if anything kevin Gossin's right there to back him up uh hinjin rayu now gets relegated to number three spot after being the default ace for that team so now it's it's if all best case scenario if all goes well this is a very formidable starting rotation right here i agree and, and i think i think a very underrated sneaky player Alec Manoa. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. Alec Manoa is going to be a great pitcher. That dude has got so much movement on his pitches. As long yep. as he can keep control of those pitches, that dude is going to go far. That dude has got an unbelievably, unbelievable movement on his slider. Yep. I think he's going to be a very good pitcher for the Mariners, for the Blue, Blue Jays. Jays. 
Yeah, I like him a lot. Ross Stripling has always been a guy I liked a lot as well for the Blue yeah, Jays. Yeah, I like uh, him too. So we'll see. Maybe he'll stick at the number five spot this time around um, and not get relegated to the, you know, going back and forth between bullpen duty and and, and rotation uh, uh, spot starts. Uh, Blue Jays look like they have a much better uh bullpen than they, than they did last year so hopefully that pays dividends for a guy like ross stripling let's take a quick look at the starting rotation in the in the minors nate pearson he's still on the team he's 25 years old however but you know we're still holding out hope that one day he'll amount to something uh anthony k i just remember seeing his name a lot i don't i forgot what the big deal about him was but um let me see i'm gonna look at my other screen here uh yeah i mean 50 fastball 50 curveball 50 changeup. Uh, still working on that command, but there's supposed to be a lot to like here. He did, he has been playing for the Blue Jays uh, on and off the last three seasons or so uh, with mixed results. So hopefully he gets it together to add more depth to that lineup. Jose de Leon, I believe this is the guy who used to be with the, Do- yeah, the Dodgers, yeah, uh, who kind of moved up to high level prospect there for a while. So just arm injuries and inconsistency has been his downfall. He's a non-roster invitee. So we'll see if he can make a splash in spring training and, and turn some heads. But other than that, there's really not much else coming out of the pipeline. Their farm system did take a hit with the Jose Barrios trade. Yeah. So. Uh, it was two guys. It was Simeon Richards Woods, I believe. Yeah. And Austin Meadows, Austin Spiro. No, it was Austin, <laughs> Austin Martin. But then something something like that. But yeah, the, they had two top 100 prospects go for Barrios and their farm system took a major hit. So I think what they have at the, in the majors is kind of what they have right now. And they need to spend some time building up that minor league system again. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Nate Pearson's the big wild card there. Where the hell is Austin Martin? I thought it was Austin Martin. Did I dream this? Did he get traded again? Oh, there he is. Okay, I don't know why he's not listed. Oh, is he in the outfield now? Austin Martin right here. Let's take a look really quick. Austin Martin in the outfield. This is, for those who can't see, I'm looking for Austin. There he is, Austin Martin, right there. First pick, fifth overall in the 2020 draft. So we'll see when he gets called up. I'm looking forward to seeing him rather sooner, rather soon, as opposed to later, especially with George Springer on this team, who's always constantly getting hurt now at this point after years of just hard-nosed baseball and whatever, whatever. Uh, and then Simeon, there he is. Simeon Woods Richardson right there. So he'll be uh, 21 years old. Looks like he'll be playing out of double A and that's it. That's all we have for you people out there. Uh, Austin, tell the good folks out there where they can find you. All right. So you can find me on Twitter under my podcast, Twitter handle round trippers pod. Uh, it's at round underscore trippers. Um, you can also find me on Spotify and Apple podcasts and things like that. Um, uh, with the, uh, podcast round trippers, uh, you can also find me at the baseball life, uh, baseball life group. And then, um, we got a, in the pop culture life group, we got a big, uh, Christmas movie, uh, bracket and we're getting down to it. We got the elite eight. We're doing, uh, voting for the elite eight right now. We've had two really, really close votes. So if you're not in yeah. pop culture life, go go in there because it's starting to get entertaining. And yeah, uh, yeah that's pretty much it. I enjoy um, coming on here every week. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah. So what's your next, the round trippers? When's your next episode? Is it Monday? Uh, I'm going to actually record it today because I'm going to talk about the hall of fame before the hall of fame picks come out. Are you going to go solo or did you have a guest coming on? Uh, I don't have a guest coming on. Um, I was, I was going to go solo. Okay. Well, we'll look forward to it. Uh, we'll see compare and contrast to what Dan and I talked about. I know it, it, you'll, uh, you'll still use your notes from last week. I mean, they're your notes, they're your research. So, so that'd be cool. And then you got the pop culture one tonight as well, right? You said, uh, pop culture is not tonight. Uh, pop culture will be, uh, Sunday, next Sunday. Oh, next Sunday. Yeah. Oh, I thought you guys were doing it every week. Uh, every, every Sunday. I'm sorry about that. Next Sunday. Okay. So catch Austin and all his endeavors, catch the pop culture life. And then the total basis podcast, you can reach me at, uh, on Twitter at pathological, the underscore, I'm sorry, at pathological underscore the letter H the number eight pathological hate. You can email the show at pathological hate. That's one word. The, and then, you know, spell out the, the word hate pathological hate H A T E at gmail.com. And just like Austin, you can catch this, uh, these episodes on, uh, well, first of all, YouTube to get the visuals. Cause I do like to share my screen a lot. Uh, and if you just want to listen to us talk, then you can follow us and hit the like button and subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, Google, uh, Spotify is my, my, my place to, uh, uh, that's my spot. I love Spotify. You know, as you, I shared my, my end of year, uh, music on pop culture life. So that also involves a lot of uh, listening to podcasts, especially Austin's podcast, the other life group podcast. Oh yeah. To, to, to catch us, you can either look for total basis podcast, or you can look us on under the banner, the umbrella that is the life group podcast named after these life groups here on Facebook. Uh, we go live once a week, uh, either month, Sunday morning or Monday night right here at the baseball life Facebook group. So, and if, you know, it, Austin, it, it, it's the it's the time of giving, right? And it's 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 Christmas, it so is. why don't you do us a favor over yeah. out there if you're listening? Tell a friend about Austin's podcast and Round Trippers podcast. Tell a friend about the Total Basis podcast. Um, uh, if if you're enjoying what you're hearing, share, share with everybody else. Because you know what it is, Austin. It's better to give than to receive, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> say try to say that with a straight face but yeah that word was, of mouth that, that was good you held that for a while <laughs> yeah, i ain't no actor i could tell you that much but no i mean <laughs> word of mouth does help a lot too so uh we greatly appreciate the support that we've gotten from uh our, our listeners so far we seems like we have a uh, this past year we've gotten a, a some consistency in terms of listeners so if you like what you hear feel free to share our work with others who might be interested in this type of uh, conversation style of a podcast and um that is my Christmas wish from me to all of you. Support Austin and I's podcast. Speaking of which, Austin, I am Felipe. We will see you all next week. Have a good one, everyone.